This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 28th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Under normal circumstances, kids go to school. And if they don't, their parents get a call from the school to make clear that their kids are truant. How does that work now that kids are at home and attending classes online? What is truancy in an age of public schooling from home? Cato's Carrie McDonald comments. Well, we all know that the general term truancy means frequent absences from school in violation of state compulsory school attendance laws. So virtual truancy is a new term to describe students missing their remote learning classes during the pandemic, such as failing to log in to Zoom for lessons. Uh, And there have been sporadic reports over the past few months of parents being investigated for virtual truancy because their children missed remote classes in the spring. Uh, The Boston Globe had an in-depth front page feature article this week detailing the experiences of several Massachusetts parents who were interrogated by Child Protective Services for child neglect because their children missed virtual classes in the wake of the spring's school shutdowns. In these instances, it was school officials who called Child Protective Services on these parents. This is troubling on many levels, of course, but in particular, it's concerning that parents endured this type of inquisition last spring when we were all just trying to get our bearings. You know, the pandemic and related lockdowns led to extreme stress, turmoil, and uncertainty for all of us, and particularly for parents who had to scramble to manage work and childcare. School districts were also scrambling to make sure uh, that they were trying to resume schooling in some way amidst all of the disruption. And plans were often unclear or not well communicated to parents. So the fact that government agents were called on these parents, all of whom it seems, according to the Globe article, were ultimately exonerated, added tremendous stress and anxiety to families who were just trying to make the most of a very difficult, indeed unprecedented situation. Who's being targeted for virtual truancy? Uh, I have my suspicions, but uh, I'd like to be wrong. Well, just like in typical truancy cases, as well as more general child protective services investigations, it's low income and minority families who are disproportionately targeted and who often lack the means to defend themselves. This also seems to be the case regarding virtual truancy. According to The Globe, most of the families uh, caught up in these remote learning allegations were Latino or Black, groups that were also likely to be overrepresented in the Child Protective Services system at any time. Uh, When schools shut down last spring, these groups were also more likely to lack computers at home and to lack reliable internet connections. So they were being charged with virtual truancy when their children had no way of logging on. Uh, The Globe story also made the point that schools weren't calling Child Protective Services on more affluent parents in the suburbs whose kids were playing hooky and avoiding online classes. So there really does seem to be a disparity in how schools and particularly Child Protective Services target poorer families and communities of color who, again, often lack the ability to fight back against these allegations. Uh, Given Kamala Harris's background as a prosecutor and somebody who was particularly harsh on the parents of truant children, um, do we have any sense of, of what her thoughts are on this generally or whether she might endorse something like this? 
Yes, in 2019, when Kamala Harris was running for president, HuffPost ran a story called The Human Cost of Kamala Harris's War on Truancy. And it highlighted the actions taken by Harris as California Attorney General to get tough on truancy, including cracking down on truant families much sooner, quickly initiating criminal prosecution, and toughening punishments for parents, including hefty fines or jail time. Uh, In her 2011 inaugural address as Attorney General, Harris said, quote, we are putting parents on notice. Uh, And again, it was families of color who were the ones most terrorized by these truancy laws and enforcement. One mother that was featured in the 2019 HuffPost piece, whose daughter missed school frequently due to sickle cell anemia, was awakened in the early morning hours, handcuffed in her pajamas, and arrested by police. Uh, She told the HuffPost, you would swear I had killed somebody. It seems odd that there, uh, is there any kind of grace that is being given to uh, parents in this enormously difficult situation, both for being able to access technology and also, you know, trying to assure that they are getting their children the kinds of educations that they need? Right. Well, you can imagine that if school districts and child protective service agents were going after parents last spring when everything was in turmoil and school districts didn't have well communicated or well thought out plans for remote learning, um, you'd expect that there might be even more virtual truancy enforcement this fall. Uh, So I'd worry about that. Um, In fact, school and state officials, as well as some high-profile academics, have openly expressed concern about children's well-being during this time at home and seem to be galvanizing state agencies to ensure children's protection. For example, last week in Tennessee, the Department of Education there announced regular child well-being checks on children throughout the state. This led to such an uproar among parents and some conservative lawmakers in the state that the department withdrew its plan. But we're likely to see more of these types of initiatives emerging this fall. Switching gears just a little bit, uh, to the extent that parents have had uh, to deal with, in, in the case of schools that are trying to reopen and have been very late, late to announce what their actual plans are, Uh, To what extent are parents withdrawing their kids, and do we have any solid data on that right now? I know you've been hearing a lot about it, but uh, of course, given who you are and what you do, you would be hearing about it. Uh, So do we have any sense of of how big those numbers are of parents just taking their kids entirely out of public schools? Right. We we do have data at the state level for some states that are reporting uh, homeschool applications. Uh, NPR reporting that in Nebraska, homeschool applications are up 21 percent uh, over last year. In Vermont, homeschool applications up 75 percent over last year. So certainly at the state level, we're seeing increases of families removing their children from from school for independent homeschooling. As we've talked before, there's also the pandemic pod movement with families getting together in small groups to manage uh, facilitating a curriculum in individual homes, sometimes independent from the school district and other times connected to the remote learning plans that different school districts are offering. Uh, So I do think that there is an increase in parents searching for some school alternatives this fall. There are children who, just by virtue of the fact that they are not in school every day, are being placed in or 
are naturally in a difficult situation, perhaps a uh, a violent or threatening home uh, that is essentially unsafe for them. What about those kids? Is isn't truancy uh, and laws against truancy meant to help protect those children from the harms they might face in their own homes? Yes, there have been some media reports of increased child abuse and child maltreatment during the pandemic, but it's hard to get a sense of the extent of the problem. Some child welfare advocates point to a precipitous drop in the number of calls to child protective services since the school shutdowns began. As school officials are not reporting potential abuse, this could be an indication that child abuse is going unreported, but it's also important to remember that there are over 7 million calls to child protective services in this country every year, and only a tiny percentage of those end up labeled as real abuse or neglect. So we don't know if the drop in calls signals more abuse and neglect or just fewer unsubstantiated calls. What's particularly troubling is that in 2018, the Heckinger Report and HuffPost unveiled a searing investigative report finding that schools frequently use child protective services as a, quote, weapon against parents, particularly against parents who may disagree with a school's recommendations. This report found, once again, that the families most often ensnared in these child protective services claims are poor and minority families who have difficulty pushing back against these allegations and have very little access to school choice. So we do know that historically, domestic violence incidents increase during economic downturns and times of high unemployment. So it's likely that this is happening now during these pandemic-related government-imposed shutdowns. The answer to the problem now is not to add additional government force, but to loosen government restrictions and move to reopen society as swiftly and safely as possible. Carrie McDonald is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and author of the book Unschooled. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 